Thanks for joining with us today on our Potter's Hope podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and gives you strength to live out the life that God has for you. Enjoy the message. It's time to turn the page. Thank you, Jake. Appreciate it so much. The Lord kind of laying this message on my heart, and the reason for that is it's all about growth. It's about growth. And I want to start with the thought of this. Have you ever, maybe you've had a, probably a good friend maybe in your past, somebody that, that you know a little bit more than a, maybe a casual friend, but somebody you knew something about their life and they knew something about your life, and then maybe you go a span of years and you don't see them for several years, and then when you see them again, you find that they're in the same place that they were before. I mean, they're dealing with the same hardship. They're dealing with the same anger. They're dealing with the same trial that they are. Has anybody ever dealt with anybody like that? Okay. How many of you think you're the one that I'm talking about? Okay, that's good because I got some help for you. (laughs) I got some help for you. So that's really the thought, and and to be able to do this, this really stems from a Bible study that I was in a few weeks back that Larry was teaching on, and he was talking about people that get stuck. And I have really pondered that Bible study, and he had a lot of great points. He always does. He had a lot of great points about things and reasons that people get stuck. Man, I don't know, he had six, eight, ten. I don't know, he had a bunch. He had a bunch of reasons that people get stuck. Man, they were all relevant. Today or this evening, what I want to talk about is being able to turn that page and and being able to start the new chapter in your life. And when the Word of God, that when we can see that, that if you look, if you you were to take a minute to count in chapter 7, and you're going to see a real shift when Paul is speaking. For the good that I would, I do not, and the evil which I would not, that I do. And then he says, oh, poor wretched man that I am. How am I ever going to be delivered? How am I ever going to change? And if you look in Romans chapter 7, you will find the word I 29 times. In the verse there, one of those verses that I just read to you, I think it's about 29, it's well over 25, 29 times if you were looking in the King James Version. In one of those verses there that I read, it's mentioned six times. But you see something serve as a catalyst in his life, and when you begin to see things begin to shift into eight... I've got points that I want to make. We're going to go to the first point, Eric, if we can. And it's going from life in the flesh to life in the spirit. And that's really to where, that's really where our life begins to transform. These are my notes, and they're raw, they're real, and you probably can't understand them. But those of you that want to take notes off of those notes, I'll pray for you. I'll pray for you. The Word of God says this, when you begin to look at your life and who you were and what you're striving to be, the Word of God says this in Romans 7, 15, for that which I do not allow, or that very word that I use, that very thing, and then we can find that there's that catalyst that says now there's no condemnation. Here's what you need to get into your mind. A life in Christ is a life that is free from the world. The one of the first things that you've got to understand is that you are not enslaved anymore to sin unless you choose it. You have power, you have authority, not in your flesh. Paul has already made it 29 times. He said, I, I can't do it on my own. The thing that I want you to understand tonight is that you cannot free you from you. Say, boy, what revelation. Could you say that again? Probably not. But you can't free yourself from you. 
That's the reason that Jesus died on the cross so that you could be conquered by His blood and through His power. There's a real shift and a transition. So when we begin to look at that, you've got to understand that this is simply put, this is going to be life in the Spirit, turning the page. How many of you still deal with condemnation, shame, and guilt in your life? How many of you know somebody that does? You're telling him he's not enough. Every time that you go back and you worship what you used to do and the things that you were, every time that you do that, you are questioning God of whether or not His blood was enough. I need to assure you tonight that if God could forgive me, He's not going to have any problems with you. And if He forgives me and God is not a respecter of persons, then why would He go against His word to simply say this, that whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Hallelujah. It's not conditional. It's not conditional. It's simple. It's true. It's that simple. That word condemnation really comes from the word censure or damnation. The word in Romans 5.18, therefore is by one offense, that one offense and one man was Adam. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Adam blew it. We won't talk about Eve much right now, guys. The Word of God says judgment came upon all men to bring that condemnation. Even so, by the righteousness of one. You see, by the offense of one, all of us are made sinners according to the Word of God. But by the righteousness of one, Jesus Christ. And by the way, I heard a popular, fairly popular, on one of the news, uh, on one of the channels, that he, he began to assert, and it was in a prime time setting, he began to assert this very thought, that we all know that even Jesus Christ wasn't perfect. Can I tell you, that is a lie straight from the pits of hell in Jesus' name. We know that he was sinless, spotless. You can't bring him down to your level. If you brought him down to your level, then that would mean that my blood could save you. But it took a holy blood. It took a righteous blood. It took the blood of an almighty God that when God, listen, God himself through the power of the Holy Ghost overshadowed that virgin called Mary. When he did that and she conceived, that was God himself through the power of the Holy Ghost in filling a pure womb. So no, I don't believe that. Nor will I ever believe that. And no, it's not even up for discussion. Life in the Spirit is turning the page. How many of you have got some old parts of your life that you wish you didn't even remember anymore? It's there for a reason. It's there to remind you that you are not who you used to be. When I say this, therefore now there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. We know the first part of that. But it goes on to say, for those who do not walk in the flesh, but after the Spirit. If you're walking in the flesh, there is condemnation in the Spirit. Why? Because you're still resuscitating the old man and still living out who he was. But you see the shift. Paul is saying in chapter 7, what am I going to do? And then... Now he sees, of course there's law, there's the law that he's, he's intertwining within this. He's speaking also to a Jewish mind, to a cultured mind. He's speaking to all of us today. And thank God 
that in our life, through the blowing and through the power of the Holy Ghost, we can turn the page and be reminded that we're not what we used to be. The Word of God says this. Let's go on down to verses 5 and 6. Second point is this. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. This is starting. We're starting to live now. Turn to somebody and say, are you going to mind me? I don't know how many times my mama told me, you better mind me. You better mind me. Because if I didn't mind her, what was coming? I'm going to get a licking. You better mind me. Can I tell you, not that God was my mama, <laughs> but she represented authority in my young life. And I knew this, that when mama had enough, I was going to get a whooping enough to stop what I was doing. I know it. And I, I listen, I'm evidence of that today. The second point is this, is that if we are going to turn the page, this is critical to you and to I, is that you have got to figure out, are you going to mind the spirit or are you going to mind the flesh? Many times we say this, well, if I had a mind to, if I had a mind to, the Word of God goes on to say this, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Does it get, and can it get any more simple than that? That if you are going to mind the things of the flesh, it's going to bring death. But if you are spiritually, you say, Pastor, this is so elementary. Let's get it. Because can I tell you what? The church shouldn't be like much of the school system. We're just going to pass you on to get you to graduate. Can I tell you? I'd rather for you to stay in grammar school, to stay in the first grade, and get what you need instead of somebody else promoting or pushing you out just to get you. Huh? Okay. Now, to mind the spirit or mind the flesh, this is growing. If you're going to turn the page, you've got to make a choice. I love that piece of scripture because the word life and peace, the word dezoe, meaning all of that very care and love that he has for me, life and peace. Life and peace. Man, if there's anything that our culture, if there's anything that the world needs to hear right now, is that another stimulus will not. Listen, it may put money in the bank, but it can't put joy in your soul like Jesus. Do you understand? And we can't decide. We don't know if we want to give you this. We don't. I'm so wore slick out with a bunch of political junk. Turn to somebody and say, it's time to turn it off then. <laughs> Let me show you something, what the word mind there means. The word mind, when you look at that in, in the New Testament, you check out your strongs. It means to exercise the mind. That is to entertain or to have a sentiment or opinion. That's one thing that we don't lack today in our culture is opinion. But what we do lack is truth and fact. And somehow theory and opinion has superseded what is right and what is wrong. And it superseded the very difference between good and evil. So everybody, do they deserve their opinion? Can I tell you? Opinions will not matter to God. That when you get before God and you say, well, I was going to, and it was my opinion that if you saved them, you could save me, but I never called on you. Can I tell you, the fact is, hell would be your home. Come on, Pastor. Don't live by opinion. Don't live by theory. That's the reason that Darwin's theory is called theory. And yet we grabbed a hold of that theory, and we threw out creation. 
excuse me, some throughout creation. I still believe that in all of creation there was a divine creator. He was not only creator, he was a designer of all of this universe. I believe today that he created you and I for his glory and for his purpose. I believe that he created everything that you see around you in nature. I still believe that rocks cry out. I still believe that leaves clap their hands to give him praise. And listen, if we don't, he'll call on them to do it again. I believe in the Word of God. So you can exercise your mind and have a form of godliness, but deny the power thereof. A form of godliness will deny the power. There's a power that still makes the lame walk. There's a power that still causes blinded eyes to see. There's a power that still brings marriages back together. There's a power that still saves the lost. There's a power, hallelujah, that still brings people together in His name. There's still that power. Sentiment or opinion to have the mind to. And the question, once again, that if we're going to have life in the Spirit and we're going to turn the page, you've got to figure out, am I going to mind the Spirit or am I going to mind the flesh? It also means to set the affection on, to be careful or toward, to care for. And also in regard, and also to savor or to savor or think like a thought. Now let me help you with that because many of us have committed premeditated assault. You say, Pastor, I don't even know what that means. Let me show you about your mind. How many of you, how many of you men in this place have already whooped every other man you's ever mad at in your mind? And we say things like this, you just wait till I get my hands on them. Boy, you big in your mind. And premeditated assault, I said, are you going to mind the flesh or are you going to mind the spirit? Ladies, you know you're the same. I got that same dress, but it looks better on me than it does on her. Premeditated assault. And we prepare our mind, and our mind, we start making up our mind, and we're still living in chapter 7 instead of chapter 8. How do I get past it? How do I get through it? You got to mind the spirit. Have you ever thought, will I get my hands on them? The answer to that in my mind is yes. How many of you have ever harbored those thoughts? And you don't have to raise your hand. How many of you know somebody that's exactly what I'm preaching about? The premeditated assault. You wait. I'll give them a piece of my mind only to find that you have none left. The flesh says, are you going to mind the flesh? Are you going to mind the spirit? The flesh says, what am I going to do to them? The spirit says, what can I do for them? The flesh Reminds us of what they did to me. And I got in parenthetical here. We never forget. What they did to me, the Spirit reminds us what He did for me. In parenthetical, I have always remembered. Why is that so pivotal? Why is that so useful in my mind? Because the Word of God says that if you won't forgive them, how can I forgive you? Oh, that's a tough one. 
And see, so here we are. I can't, I, I'll never forget what they did to me. And yet, are we going to mind the spirit or mind the flesh? The flesh says we've got all this anger building up. We've got all these things. But yet, the spirit reminds you at the same intricate time that while you're thinking those things, I hear Holy Ghost saying, but do you remember what I did for you? Why is that, Stephanie? Because Jesus said this, the Holy Ghost will always testify of me. Is that a true word of God, yes or no? He'll always testify of what Jesus done for you. I tell you what, boy, there's been times I want to pinch people's head off. There's times I want to hold anger only to find that anger holds me. This is point number two. You've got to figure out who you're going to mind. And the real part of this is that what it will ultimately do, your old man is resuscitating every time that you make room for that in your mind. Does some of y'all remember how rotten you were? Good. Don't forget it. Don't forget it. Holy Ghost testifies of him, and he does that by bringing all things to your remembrance. Remember. I hear the Holy Spirit saying to me the times maybe that I could have been stirred up by the enemy to have real anger, and maybe I had a just cause, Christy. Maybe I had a just cause to be angry. And the Holy Spirit says, yeah, maybe so. But do you remember? And I say, wow. But Lord, you. Holy Ghost begins to soothe and begins to calm. Are you going to mind the flesh? Are you going to mind the spirit? Mind the spirit. The thing that we can see now in verses 8 through 13, and this is the third point that I want to make because I, I, I think that it's powerful as we turn the page. Like I said, number two, I, I really want to hammer that home. You've got to figure out. You've got to make the conscious choice. You've got to make the conscious choice. Are you going to mind the flesh or mind the spirit? How many of you know when the Holy Spirit speaks to you? Do you know it? How many of you know you're going to sin before you sin? Is it that simple? Yes, it is. Hallelujah. Aren't you thankful that we don't have to wait for the Day of Atonement? a year from now and carry all that baggage and all that sin. How many of you are thankful that we can come before this precious advocate, Jesus Christ, and we can get shed of that sin by simply saying, I blew it. Forgive me. That was sin against you, God. Forgive me. Praise be to God. The thing that you'll find now in verses 8 through 13, that when you are in the flesh, look at verse 8, so then they, oh, we like saying they, oh, that's them. Okay, pastor, let's talk about them. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. When you are mind in the flesh, you are out of the will of God. But it feels good. Man, just let me be angry for a little bit. You're out of the will of God. Oh, really? Oh, that happened to them? Oh, probably got what they deserve. Really? Let me move on. I know I'm meddling. Y'all going to get mad at me. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God, but you are not in the flesh. Say, I'm not in the flesh. Right here, once again, the paradigm, the paradox is this. You either are or you're not. If you're in the spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. 
but you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he's none of his. But wait a minute. I remember being born again. I remember crying. I remember people shaking my hand. I remember the preacher patting me on the back. I remember getting wet in the creek. You had an event. But did you have a life-changing experience? A lifelong-changing experience. I know what you're thinking. Brother Wayne, you're going to keep preaching to every one of us is going to be lost in here. (laughs) Because we know you. No. I'm simply showing you Scripture and for all of us to get free. And it's as simple right here. I didn't say it was easy. Jake, there's a difference, isn't there, between simple and easy. Can I get a witness? All right. (laughs) All right. Not done here. And if Christ be in you, uh uh-oh, if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of his righteousness. He is our righteousness. Well, Brother Wayne, I don't know if you know it or not, but I just bought somebody's groceries. Brother Wayne, I don't know if you know it or not, but I helped this older lady across the road. And those are works by faith. Your faith will show people your works. But works won't get you any further than the church door. Now, stay with me. I'm not telling you not to do those great things. But if the Spirit, somebody say, but if the Spirit. But if the Spirit, I'm going to get to the third point here. But if the Spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by His Spirit that dwells in you. Now, you've already seen point three. Maybe you can see that. I know that's pretty small. But I made this out. Resurrection Spirit. It's really simple. Say a mortified body before a glorified body. Here's what you, I know, I put that T in glorified. A mortified body before a glorified body. Why? That listen, unless a corn of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it cannot bring glory to the Father. Jesus proved that, showed us that in John chapter 12. A mortified body. What is the word mortified? Let me show you that most of us would receive this the way that the Merriam-Webster Dictionary would tell us. Mortify means to subdue, discipline, and even offend, and even embarrass. That's the word mortify at one level. It means to subdue, discipline, and offend. Now, many of us will think to the flesh, well, what I've got to do is subdue the flesh. And I'm not going to talk about what Paul was saying here that I myself becomes a castaway, that, listen, I understand that I have to do that, but can I tell you, what you're trying to subdue, what you are trying to discipline, and what you are trying or that gets offended in you is the very thing that you've got to put to death. Here's why. You cannot discipline the flesh. The flesh is carnal nature according to Scripture. The flesh is a, is a hungry dog that doesn't just want a little bit of lust, that doesn't want just a little bit of hate, that doesn't want just a little bit of sin, a little lie. It is carnal. It wants everything that it can get a hold of. And the more you feed it, the more it grows. Oh, wretched man that I am. I want to do good, but I can't figure out how to do it. 
you're trying to discipline, here's the thing you've got to understand. That Jesus does not cohabitate with sin. That which is holy is holy. Brother Wayne, why don't you take that back to the 1930s and 40s and won't you take that back to a Billy Graham crusade where it meant something. Can I tell you something? It still means something today. That which is holy is holy and that which is profane is profane. Am I saying that I get it right all the time? Absolutely not. But thank God, if we don't know the difference between the holy and the profane, the Holy Ghost is not in us. If the Holy Ghost, according to Scripture, is not in us, are we born again? Wow. What is a new life in Christ if you're still living like hell? know y'all mad now I'm going to keep going those of you out there online stay with me he's about to jump out the boat right here you do all these things now let's think about that so Jesus did it happen to him did they subdue him yes or no yes did they discipline him yes did they if they could offend him and all right and thought they would have offended him in our mind how embarrassing would it have been to have hung upon a cross, scantily clad, and watching soldiers tear your outer garments to pieces and watch them gamble for a seamless robe that's coming up, Asher, that I'll speak to. That seamless robe is the one, it's the mantle. It's the mantle that the church what they gamble for is what was reserved for the church. I'll preach on it soon. Remind me of it, okay? It's just been in my prayer time. i got to keep going on that. Here's why. That seamless robe woven from top to bottom. Listen, it wasn't a bunch of different threads. It was one thread. And it was sewn from top to bottom. Corporate world says you got to build from bottom to the top. Kingman says I'll build you from the top. So There's unity in that mantle. It's Listen, and so when you all hear this again, act like you've never heard it again. If you want a hot lap, social distance, you can just do whatever. But the real part of this, they gambled for what was, mm, they tore apart what was outer, but they gambled. For that tunic, for that mantle. They knew it had worth. Today there's a lot of Christians, quote Christians, that are gambling for something that they know has worth. Only to realize and not to understand it's the true mantle of who he is. It is unity. In John chapter 17. Jesus said, and Father, I pray that they'll be able to walk on water. I pray that they'll be able to heal the sick. I pray that they'll be able to feed them. No. I pray that they will be one. As we are one. A church divided and a body divided is no more than pieces. But that mantle of who he is, 
That's that message I was struggling with last Sunday getting out. I've still got to get the rest of the other one out. Maybe later. But the real part of that, guys, today, the one thing, you've heard me say this since the beginning of the year and in December. You've heard it, I bet, 20 times. Somebody shout unity. Unity. Unity is what hell hates. That's the reason you see division today. i got to hurry. I'm going to try my best to get through this message. Remind me to come back to that. So with Jesus, did they subdue him? Did they discipline him? Could it have offended him, embarrassed him? All of those things. They did all these things, and then they let him go. No. Now, Scripture says that he could have called 12 legions of angels. He could have stopped it all. I believe in my mind, in that very John 17 that I was talking about, those three prayers, the prayer between him and the Father, the prayer for the disciples, and the prayer for us, I believe that that could have very well been, Stephen, what you say, and going a little bit further. Many people would ascribe that to that point in the Garden of Gethsemane. I believe he battled in that garden and had a preview of every sickness Every thought of cancer, every form of heart disease, diabetes. How many of you believe that with his stripes we are healed? I believe that. And that very thought and that very time as you begin to see that, not only that, but think about the weight of the sin. Think about the weight of mental illness. Think about the depression. All of those things that he was conquering, that he was getting ready to die for at Calvary. I'm going to go ahead and shout. We have victory in Jesus Christ. Can somebody agree with me in this house? Woo, glory. So in that, this is what we're going to do, that when you begin to think about that resurrected spirit, that, that third point, that if I can make it going from a mortified body to a glorified body, we have got to be dead in the flesh and alive in the spirit, from mortified to glorified. There's only one place. No flesh will glory in my presence. Only the Spirit of God. When the Holy Ghost communes with the Holy God, that's the inner sanctum. That's the most holy place. That's the place of not only intercession. It's a place of weight. It's a place of knowing His glory. It's a place of refuge. It's a place of perfect peace. It's a place of saying if the whole world right now were to burn up, I am in His presence. We build prayer rooms at church, and we forget them at home. Let me move on. It's a side note to tell you that many people will come, and they say, Lo, He's here, and lo, He's there. The kingdom of God is within you. There will always be outer court people in your life. There will always be people that is closest to the door. They will go in and out. Get your eyes off of them and get your eyes on him. You Always, it's tabernacle. There will be people around you that will wash at the same labor you wash at. There will be the same people that understand order. They understand the bread. They understand the lights or the, the menorah. They understand all of those things of the inner place, the holy place. And yet, they can't or will not go to that inner sanctum where the veil of the temple has been ripped in twain from 
It's life in the Spirit. Did they do all those things and let him go? No, because it wasn't enough. Why? Because it wasn't just him dying on that cross. It was you and I dying on that cross. Can I get an amen? That when Jesus hung there on the cross, every dirty, I got proof. Every dirty, rotten thing, every sin I've ever committed in my life, everything that I've said, everything that I've done that was not pleasing and sinful, everything that I did and I've done, or will I do? Paid for by and through the precious blood of Jesus Christ, but only if we walk in the Spirit. What? When he died on that cross, you died on that cross. Can I say that again? When he died on that cross, you died on that cross. How many of you thought you was really living when you had the cooler full of beer and you was ready to do this and you had the hookup later on in the night and you think, man, that was a great weekend, only to find yourself vomiting the next morning and saying, what did I do that for? But Oh, you were living. The old man was living. Now, I need to say this because, write this down, please. As we look at the resurrection, that's one reason that I wanted Asher and them to sing Beulah Land. Life in the Spirit is not looking back. It's looking forward, Jane. Write this down. Life in the Spirit is not just forward thinking. It's forward living. Looking unto Jesus. Looking unto Him. Forward thinking and forward living is in Jesus Christ. When they came, you know what happened to to the, to the Israelites when they crossed over no more than they get to a place to where they're hungry, they're thirsty, and they say, why did you bring us out here to die? That when you are dealing with what you're dealing with and the enemy says it's not worth it, tell hell to get out of your head and under your feet and live for him. Start thinking forward. Because I will tell you this, hell will always take you back. Life in the Spirit is forward thinking and forward living. Point number four. That's where I wanted to get to. Turn to somebody and say, are you a progressive? (laughs) I taught on this here a while back about being a progressive. And for any of you progressives that are watching tonight, if if it's making it to Portland or into some other homes, I love you. I love you. But your idea of being progressive and my idea of being progressive, I can guarantee you, is not the same. I believe in being progressive in the spirit. I believe in the kingdom more than I do the culture. I believe that cash is not king. I believe that love is king. Can I get a witness in this house? Love is the currency in the kingdom. The Word of God says this, still following the outline of Romans chapter 8 and verses 14 through 17. For as many, say for as many, are led by the Spirit of God. Let's do it. For as many are led by the Spirit of God. They are the sons of God. 
I'm going to show you progression. And I'm going to get through this point, and I may, I may wind up right here. I want you to get what we got. If you are still in the same mode of thinking that you were before you got saved and before you were born again, the cave, if our mind, that if we are still there, how many of you know that you're farther along now in Him? Well, I'll go to church more. That ain't, that ain't really it. I'm talking about more of Him and less of me. For as many, it's one of my favorite pieces of Scripture. Dan, I love it. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God. Now listen, it's conditional. For as many that are. Saying that everybody's not. For as many, listen, listen. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are sons of God. And that, that includes you two daughters of God. You are sons of God. Say, we're family. I'm going to show you the first piece of progression here. That he says this, when you are led by the Spirit, you are a son of God. That when you see that piece of Scripture, that when you look at sons, that word, sons of God, it's directly tied to the word in Strong's is simply the offspring. Not really any intimacy. It just means father. So as many as are led, how many of you know that the Holy Spirit led you to the Father? See, it has to happen. See, here's Holy Ghost. So then, Gina, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are sons and or daughters of God. Now, family. That word sons there is like I said, it's offspring, Brother David. You are then a child of God. Or excuse me, you're a son of God. Now the word says, for you have not received the spirit of bondage again unto fear, but the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. We're shifting gear. Progression. When you were born again, you were welcomed into the family of God. I hope and I pray that you had brothers and sisters in Christ that welcomed you to the family of God. You become part of the family. You become part of His offspring, born of the Spirit. The Word of God says in John chapter 3 that you must be born again. That which is born of flesh is flesh, but that which is born of is Y'all reading. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again unto fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Say, I am a child of God. Now, when you think about that, you think about being a son or a daughter of God, being fathered. Fathered is one thing, but now we're bumping it up. He said now, and even though, they're, they're, listen, see the law is completely, Paul is speaking, there, there's the undertone or the underlying always when he's teaching here of the law running coexistently with grace and the blood of Jesus and the righteousness of the blood and the righteousness of Christ intertwining with that and superseding the law. The law brings death. But without the revelation or without the knowledge of the law, none of us could be saved. What does that mean? It means that without the knowledge of wrong, we can never get right. And much the way that we see many people today, well, I've never done what other people do. It doesn't matter. We started that out by one man's offense. Stay with me. So now we can see in progression from sons of God, say it again, say, I'm a child of God. Boy, what's that do for you? Listen, when hell tries to boy, when hell tries to rip you up, 
I, we use this old terminology. Jake's heard me say it before. I said, man, they tore up like a sow's bed. If y'all ever had no sow that was getting ready to have pigs, what she would do, she would nest. And you had a place for her, and she'd root around, wouldn't she? She'd root around. She'd get all that tummy. She'd say, boy, look, what's all She'd get ready to have them little ones. And what happens in our life is that we let the enemy come in, and our mind gets tore up. And the main thing that he wants to tell you and to get in your head that God doesn't love you, you're not his, you're still mine. How does he do that? He'll do this. You told a lie the other day. Let's go a little bit further. Let's meddle. Men, you looked at something you shouldn't have looked at. Oh, ladies, you didn't want me to leave you out. You did too. You said something. Some people would call it flirting. The devil calls it a trick and a scheme. Oh. You see, just give him an inch. If you give him 12 inches, he'll be your ruler. So he tries to tell you that because you did this, you're not, <laughs> Jake, you ever lied to me? Really? Braden, you ever lied to me? I'm over two. <laughs> Jake, are you my son? Do I love you? Braden. Are you my son? I was going to say, if he said no, I've got real problems right here. <laughs> I still love you. But when my kids, when they come to me and said, I failed you. The kids, my two oldest boys in particular, they would come, they'd come in. And I did I, this just this way. Y'all stay with me here, okay? So I had this, you know, they'd come in. I'd have that look. I'd say, what have you been doing? What do you mean? And then you see them whisper to each other. She don't want to. I say, you know, I know. Oh. And I know y'all said that's pretty simple, but what really works is when the Holy Spirit drops a line to you and you repeat it to them and you watch them break. Get them, Dad. When the Holy Spirit moves in you and you come before the Father and the Holy Ghost says, you know you've done wrong. I'm done. Hell says you've lost it all. No. You're a child of God. Can somebody give him praise in this house? If, if we sin, call it sin. Call it sin. I failed you. Don't call it a mistake. Don't call it a blunder. Don't call it a flop. Sin. Just trying to help somebody out. This is the progression in the spirit. Children of God. Now here's something cool. 
Not son means offspring, child. Then we say we're a child of God. Notice how the terminology changes. We call him Abba. You all have studied that out. You know that means daddy. My kids, I'm telling you, boy, Hannah could do it. My grandkids, boy, they, they same way. Boy, now, now, Popo. When my kids come, they say, Daddy, boy, there's an intimacy. See, when you say children of God, when you study that out, children is not offspring. Lord, what it is, it brings an intimacy into that equation. It's an intimate, it's a term of affection. Still progressive. I'm a child, listen. I'm a son of God. I'm a child of God. The progression is now. The word of God says, if I'm a child and if children, then heirs. I'm heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, praise team, will you come and join heirs with Christ? I've got about halfway through chapter 8. Here's something you got to understand. This is all progressive. Understanding that you are a son or you are a daughter of God is the first level of living life in the spirit. A child of God, this is the thing that there are many fathers that are out there that are fathered by name, but not by nature. They don't bring a child up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. You've heard me say that before. Releasing a seed is not raising a son. Raising a son will be heartache. It'll have trials. It'll have situations that are tough. It'll take love. So in that, we begin to look at that. And once again, progressive. Now, I want to show you, Stephen, this is so critical to us because I think, I don't know what the majority is of the church. I really don't, Hannah. I don't, I don't know what the percentage would be. But many people would be born again. But how many people really call him daddy? tell you how many times in my life that I knew who my father was when hell pummeled my mind. I knew I was born again, Helena. I knew I was. But boy, those times when you just blow it. I don't come with my head up and my chest out. I come and I say, Daddy, I failed you. And you know the importance of that is that the Word of God says that those that will humble themselves before the Lord, He will lift them up. How many times have I come, Josh, to my daddy with my head down? Abba, Father. Daddy. Why? Because when I fail him, it hurts. And as much, when you get to this point in your life, sure, pleasure, there's pleasure in sin to the flesh. But when hurting the Father or getting that relationship at that point to where it, it affects the relationship in your mind, you think, I don't want to hurt him. 
when I come, it's as though he takes that heavenly hand, puts it right under my chin. He said, Daddy, will you forgive me? Because before you even got there, the Son of God was already making intercession for you. Before you even headed in His direction, Holy Ghost, God, God the Father and God the Son, we're all in agreement. As the Holy Ghost is convicting, the Son of God is interceding. And Almighty God is right ready. I don't know how many get to that point. Now, I'll tell you this. I'm real transparent. You all know that. There's been times. I hope I don't do it. I don't do it as much as I used to. I'm not. How many of you know when you grieve the Holy Ghost? Do you know who you're grieving? You're grieving God. Do you know that when you go against the will of God and that when you grieve the Holy Spirit, that's the Spirit of God, remember, that we talked about that's in you. I don't know about y'all, man, but that makes me feel sick. And I'm glad it does. So if you think you've got a pastor that never fails... You're probably at the wrong church. You're at the right church if you think you've got a pastor that doesn't intend to. The Word of God says that we all come short of the glory of God being justified freely by and through His blood. Third level in that very passage, the progressive thing, then we are heirs. Heirs of God. I began to think about that and I thought, what am I an heir to? And you hear about the last will and testament that's given by this one or that one. And most of the time in the world, it just makes families mad. Well, they got mama's hairbrush. And all I got was her barrette. They got this and they got that. Can I tell you, let them have all of that. You had a mother that gave you life. Can I get a witness in this house? Do you understand? There's power in that, soaking in it. An heir. I'm closing. To be an heir to God. The word said we'll be an heir to his sufferings. Living in the culture and the time that we're living in right now, Scripture tells us those that will live godly, you're going to suffer persecution. And that means something more than somebody taking your place at Walmart. Are you calling Walmart and saying, I want to pick up some groceries? And they're saying, that's three weeks from now. That's persecution. That's an injustice. That's life. But I'm an heir. What am I an heir to? I'm an heir. It's because I have rights. I have rights because I'm an heir to an almighty God. I have a right to lift my hands. Can I get a witness? I have a right to clap my hands. Can I get a witness? 
right to sing. I have a right to preach. I have a right to pray. I am an heir of God. Will I be persecuted for it? Maybe. But guess what? Turn to somebody and say, look beyond the finish line. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, knowing that the cross was not his destination, but rather his assignment in our freedom. How about you? I'll have two more points to get to, maybe next Wednesday. Where you at with God? I know due to due to the current situation. Somebody's told you that we can't use an altar. How many of you ever asked for forgiveness away from church and made an altar in your car seat? How many of you ever went out into the woods, found an old stump, and called on the king? How many of you know that you don't have to wait till you get to church to ask for forgiveness? Tonight, listen to me. God loves you. If you've got sin in your life, and it's known, nobody else knows it, but you know it. Pastor, we all got sin. The old man had your sin. You can be free tonight. Therefore, there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Turn the page. Turn the page. How many of you are ready tonight to start? I know you're born again, but how many of you are, how many of you are truly tonight even watching? They're at home. How many of you are ready to start a new life in Christ? I'm talking about a kind where right now there's a new chapter. I remember on that night there in July that I really got free. I really, Chris, I really, the old man was put to death. And I started living in the Spirit. If you're here tonight and you're lost, Boy, I got great news. Jesus came to find you. He knows your hideouts. He knows your places. But tonight, He's right here where you are. And you can come to Him. Would you pray with me? Lord, we love you so much. Listen, there's nobody looking around. You folks online, you folks here in this, wherever you may be catching it podcast or wherever, maybe going down the road or somebody's right there in the living room right now. Lord, expand, expand the kingdom in my mind that we can reach everybody for your glory. But how many of you right now, by the lifting of your hand, the lifting of your heart, you're born again, but you're ready to say, I'm ready for a new life in Christ. Lift your hand right now. I'm ready for a new life in Christ. Don't you dare be afraid. Don't you dare be afraid. How many of you are still being taken by the old things? You're still thinking the way you used to think. Lift your hand right now. Lift your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. The old man's still alive. 
So God, tonight you've seen the hands. And God, right now, tonight, within the sound of my voice, in the sanctuary, at home, or wherever, whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord, you can be, you will be saved. And God, tonight, for that one that says, I know I'm a son, I know I'm a daughter, but boy, I want that intimacy. How, how many of you want a deeper intimacy with him? Lift your hand all over the house, all over, all over the house. I need to be closer to him. Hallelujah. Because, see, that third level in air means you have a right. You have a right to everything in the kingdom. Your son, your daughter, your child. But now you have a right. You're established. Church, right now, wherever you're listening here, wherever, you're welcome to come to this altar and pray. You're welcome to pray right there in your seat. Some of you, if you want to turn around and make that altar right there at your seat, do it. If you want to come to this altar and pray, do it. But the one thing, don't, if you come in lost, don't, you don't have to leave the same way. If you come in away, if you tuned in away from God, you don't have to turn it off the same way. It's life in the Spirit. Turn the page. It's time for a new chapter.